Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show where you will never hear the host say, yo, 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 homies, we gonna get our smoke on in this bitch. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast dedicated to all of us in the uh, pipe smoking hobby. Hey, it is a uh, blustery, cold winter evening here in uh, Charlotte and uh, perfect time of the year to smoke a pipe. Got a great show for you today. My guest, Oli Sylvester, and yes, this is the interview that is so big it takes up two shows. You'll hear what I ask Oli on uh, this show, and uh, I'll let you in on how to get in and listen to what Oli asks me on his show. So, dueling podcasts, shall we say, uh, in pipe parts. Had a long discussion about uh, earlier this week about are you a pipe guy or a tobacco guy? Bounce some ideas around, see what you think. It'll be a lot of opinion, but uh, not much factual, nothing much to learn here, just uh, some insight and a little bit of opinion. Later on in music, Jethro Tull. We're going to tap into some of the 70s music there. And uh, not so much of a rant this week, a little bit more of a rave. So let's get this show going. Got a lot to get through. Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Here we go. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Gary Schreier, and this is the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Welcome back. Hey, I want to say a special thank you to all of our sponsors, especially my friends at SmokingPipes.com for supporting the show. Listen, when you talk to them, make sure and let them know that you appreciate them helping us out with the show. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. That does help. It get found, helps the show get found on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. Got any questions, any comments about the show, post them in the forums. I check out all the comments every week and look forward to them. So in pipe parts, I thought we'd talk about the difference between a pipe guy or a tobacco guy. Do you enjoy the tobacco side of the hobby more or is it the pipe that you enjoy more? This is an age-old question that bounces back and forth. For me, I'm more on the tobacco side. I look forward to the tobacco. The tobaccos that I smoke work well for me in every pipe that I own. And we've talked about that if it doesn't work well for 
If the pipes don't work well with my tobaccos, I move them along. There's people on the other side of it that I think you're more of a pipe guy if you have multiple, multiple kinds of tobaccos and you enjoy them all and you play with them in different pipes. I'll give I'll give you an example. A former customer of mine now, a friend of mine, and we'll call him Bob to protect his uh, protect the innocent. Uh, he would buy super high grade handmade pipes, collects them, got a ton of gorgeous, absolutely beautifully made pipes. For him, it was more the experience of the pipe than it was the tobacco. Now he's also a very uh, uh, particular smoker shall we say because he would identify up front what kind of tobacco he thought that pipe would work with best and then he would only smoke that pipe with that tobacco that one period that one particular blend once he started to break in a pipe with the with one particular kind of tobacco that pipe was absolutely dedicated to that tobacco for the rest of its life he was also meticulous in maintaining his pipes. Still is. Keeps his pipes spotlessly clean. But again, he's got them dedicated to one type of tobacco. One specific blend. He also smoked Virginias, Englishes, and the occasional aromatics. And every once in a while, he would want to pick up another aromatic pipe. So, that to me is more of a pipe guy. Where on the other side is me more of a tobacco guy... I have my specific styles of blends that I've talked about. If the pipe doesn't work for those, I move on to them. Now, in most cases, I now know exactly what I'm doing with my tobaccos, so therefore I can get most pipes to work with them. I think people that have one or two or three particular types of tobaccos that they really enjoy, particular blends, those are more of the tobacco people. The people that dabble around, bounce around from different uh, different styles of tobaccos, different blends of tobaccos, different manufacturers. Those people tend to be more pipe people to me. To me, the experience for them is more of holding the pipe, seeing the pipe, the physical actions of the pipe. They're more pipe smokers than they are tobacco smokers. Now, if I've offended anyone, sorry, don't really care. This discussion came up, and I thought I would touch on it because I thought it's kind of interesting to see, are we smoking the pipe or are we smoking the tobacco? The comment that we we all call ourselves pipe smokers when actually we don't hopefully smoke the pipe, we actually hopefully smoke the tobacco inside the pipe because if we burn out the pipe, then we don't have it anymore. So really we're all tobacco smokers that happen to use the pipe as a vessel to burn the tobacco in. I think the answer to this question of whether you're a pipe guy or a tobacco guy, I think it really comes down to what is the must for you. If you are dedicated to one particular type of pipe, one particular brand of pipe, one particular manufacturer, you're more of a pipe guy than you are a tobacco guy. If you're dedicated to one particular style of tobacco or one flavor of tobacco, whatever, one particular blend, I think you're more of a tobacco guy. There's nothing wrong with being either one. If it gives you pleasure and you enjoy it, then go ahead and do it. If you have found that your favorite aromatic works best in a meerschaum and that's what you like, 
that's fine. You're a Meerschaum pipe guy. Nothing wrong with it. If you find that you have one blend of pipe tobacco that you smoke, whatever it is, and you can smoke it in any pipe that you happen to find, and you enjoy that tobacco, you're a tobacco guy. Enjoy it. Nothing wrong with either one. So this all kind of, uh, this whole discussion kind of started because a friend of mine on Facebook, Rob, sent me this question. Uh, says he's a new pipe smoker, a longtime cigar fan. He's smoking a lot of different blends, trying to appreciate the nuances of the different leaves, i.e. Latakia, Virginia, etc. He finds that he enjoys them all. And he wanted to know, is that something that will change as his palate matures? I didn't have the answer for him, so I thought I would put this out there. Right now, I think Rob's trying to discover whether or not he's a pipe guy or a tobacco guy. He may be one of those people that will enjoy all kinds of different tobaccos at different times and really enjoys the act of smoking the pipe and different flavors. Or will he end up narrowing down his taste into one specific type of tobacco and look forward to enjoying that tobacco on a regular basis. I thought I'd pose that question out there, have this discussion. I would love to hear what everybody else's experiences were. When you started out, Did you? we all started out trying all kinds of different pipes and different tobaccos and trying to find our little niches, I guess. Some of us Still were able to uh, bounce around from different tobaccos from one style to the other. Others have kind of narrowed into a rut like me. So are you a pipe guy? Are you a tobacco guy? And then for my friend Rob, when you started out, did you narrow down your uh, as your palate matured? Did you end up with one style or one flavor? Let me know what you think. Post them in the forums. I look forward to reading everybody's response. Hey, in just a minute, we'll start the uh, interview with uh, Ole Sylvester, so hang in there. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Fact. Cup of Joe's has the largest selection of pipes and tobaccos on the web. Fact, for over 17 years, Cup of Joe's has maintained the highest standard in customer service. Fact, your thumb is the same length as your nose. Told you, cupofjoes.com. We are back and joining us in just a minute will be Ole Sylvester, a couple weeks ago, Oli and I turned on both of our microphones. We got on the phone together. I asked him questions. He asked me questions. Here's our half of it for the Pipes Magazine radio show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show artisan pipe maker, podcaster, father, and all-around swell guy, Oli Sylvester. Oli, welcome to my show. Hey, thanks, Brian. Nice to be here. So, as you know, I'll tell everybody up front, Oli does the Oompal.com podcast, and Oli interviewed me on his show. I'm interviewing him on this show, so if you want to hear both sides of it, you got to check out both shows. Um, both shows. Oli, tell Love us, it. tell us where, 
where do you where are you originally from? I grew up in a little town called Deland, Florida, and Deland is kind of uh, nestled between Daytona Beach and Orlando. If anybody knows that area. And so I, I grew up about 20 minutes away or so from the beach and about 30 or so minutes away from uh, Walt Disney World. And um, it, it's a kind of a quiet, sleepy little town, and I get back there uh, as much as I can. It's, I, I love Florida, and I love that area. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Deland, eventually went to Savannah, Georgia, for college where I attended Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, and... Oddly enough, I studied. I started off studying uh, painting there, um, and then after a couple of years, I actually moved back to Florida and studied biology at Stetson University for a while, and moved back to Savannah and finished up my BFA there um, as a graphic designer. And so I actually have a, a degree in graphic design, even though a lot of my background is in uh, fine art painting. Boy, that's a big stretch. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I have, like, a side of me that's a scientist and a side of me that's an artist. And um, they both kind of got freaked out after I started realizing I have all these bills that I need to pay back. And so that's when the rational side of me decided to uh, go with a, a graphic design degree so I could pay the bills back. But basically, yeah, I, I kind of have this ongoing struggle uh, between kind of science and, and art, and you see this kind of play out um, in the artwork that I do, um, both in pipes and in, in painting. I also have a, a site called Fine Art for the Frugal, where, um, you know, I, I post some of my paintings there sometimes. So I, even though I'm not in the gallery scene anymore like I used to be, I still, uh, I still create art all the time. And uh, I actually met my wife uh, at SCAD, and she's an artist too, so it's kind of a you know, we have paintings and drawings and, and, and everything all over the house. We do we do art quite a bit around here. So, again, furthering into the series of Renaissance people that have been on our show, uh, artist, painter, designer, when did you start smoking a pipe? Um, gosh, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, and this is, this is really interesting, it wasn't until... Um, I moved to the uh, Atlanta area, I, I believe, that I started um, collecting pipes again, and then I started smoking them. And I say again because I actually had a pipe collection when I was a kid, which is kind of strange, but um, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, um, and I started my pipe collection then because there was an old guy down the street, Mr. Follis, and he would sell stuff. Um, he would, you know, at a flea market every weekend. And so he would kind of, through the week, he would gather all these things that he was going to sell. And us kids would kind of go through them, and he would let us kind of buy stuff from him throughout the week. And he always had these pipes, and they just intrigued the hell out of me. And so um, I started buying pipes from him um, under the idea that, you know, with my parents, under the idea that these, you know, these pipes were for my personal collection and that I wouldn't be smoking them. They were just, you know, cool little things for me to collect. I think I've always been a collector. And so this was just, for me, these were just little um, pieces of sculpture, really. 
and I just really enjoyed looking at them and, and keeping them around. And so my first pipe collection, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, and my dad didn't smoke a pipe. My grandpa didn't smoke a pipe. I don't know, I don't know why these caught my attention so much, but um, they just did. Now, actually, my dad did smoke a pipe, but I didn't, I didn't know about that till many years later, and he told me that he did. But at any rate, um, so I had this, you know, these this little collection for years and years and years, and I actually still have one of them. It's an old Tom Thumb, little tiny pipe. And uh, that's the only one that still exists from that early collection. But years later, when I ended up moving to the Atlanta area, um, my wife and I were walking through the mall. This is before we had kids. Um, you know, as of this as of this uh, recording, we have two boys, one seven and one ten. My seven year old's about to turn eight, and they're just the coolest guys, Brody and Zane. They're um, quite a handful. They're just uh, super cool kids. They were really lucky. But anyway, um, before they were born, my wife and I were walking through the mall, and there's a tinderbox, and I was like, hey, let's pop in there, you know, remembering those pipes I used to collect. Maybe I could, you know, start that collection up again. And I picked up a Peterson Aaron, and uh, it was a full bent, and that was the first pipe that I bought when I could actually, you know, smoke them. And ever since then, you know, I've kind of never looked back. And I still got that that old Peterson from from back then when I started my collection up again. So fast forward, what came first, the pipe making or the podcast? Um, the podcast did. I was um, my wife is really she's been big into podcasting, listening to podcasts for a long time, and has always tried to get me into listening to podcasts too, and so. You know, she knows about my obsession with pipes, and she said, you know, maybe you should do a podcast. And I kept saying, no, 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 that's, that's you know, there's not going to be anybody out there that's going to listen to it. I don't know how I would market that. And not to mention, you know, it's it's going to take a whole lot of time. And so she kept on me and kept on me, and finally one day um, I belonged to the Atlanta Pipe Club, and we were having a, a, a guest come into town. It happened to be Bjarne and Nielsen. And I was like, gosh, you know, if I'm going to do this podcasting, now would be a really cool time to do it and actually record somebody who's got a lot of history um, in the world, in the pipe world. And so I, I called um, Joyce, who um, she's she's the one where – Back then, we used to have almost all of our meetings over at her house, and Bjarne was going to be there. And uh, I asked her, I said, hey, can you talk to him and see if he would mind if I recorded him, you know, just ask him a couple questions. And so she got back with me and said, yeah, it's fine. So I took my laptop, and I took my uh, little um, microphone, and that was my first venture into trying to make a podcast. And so... Um, my idea was to, you know, just see what would happen. And since my wife's like, you know, you really should do this, really should do this. Started off with Bjarne back in 2008. That was my very first one. And, uh, you know, as you know, just a little while later after that, um, after that recording, he passed away. And it kind of hit home that, wow, you know, there's a whole lot of history out there that would be really cool if we could go ahead and record and get some some of these guys' ideas 
before it's too late because, you know, you get so busy with your day-to-day stuff that you forget about this stuff. But anyway, so yeah, um, the podcast came first. The uh, uh, pipe making came later. And the pipe making came about because I was looking for a way to make it worthwhile to keep the podcast going. Um, as you know, making a podcast takes a long time and it, there's a lot of effort involved. And, you know, there's a little bit of money involved anyway, but most of it is just the, uh, the effort into doing it. And so when, you know, when I asked for folks to, um, be sponsors, that didn't really pan out too well. And I'm not a really good salesman either. So, um, I couldn't, for whatever reason, I couldn't get folks interested in sponsoring this fledgling um, idea of a pipe podcast back in 2008. And so I said, well, you know, what if if I turn the tables and I think, well, what would I want? What would I buy into? Well, if somebody was going to sell me a pipe and they said, tell you what, if you support my podcast, I'll give you a pipe or, you know, vice versa. Here, buy this pipe and that will in turn support the podcast. I would do that. And so um, I decided to find a way to, to, to make that happen, and that's how the Monstrosity Pipeline was, was uh, born. And I started out with um, pre-drilled kits from Mark Tinsky, and I would butcher them up. And because I'm already an artist, I've already been in the, in the uh, art world for, for so long, um, I felt like, hey, I'm going to uh, put my stamp on these pipes and change them and make them into something that I, I would want to buy myself that's not out there. Um, I felt like that would be a really cool way to uh, support the podcast. When we, so uh, we're going to step away for a break real quick, but when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some of Oli's favorite guests, and then we'll get more into the monstrosities because they're a lot of fun. We'll be back in just a minute. a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. are back that was a little dueling banjos a little salute to uh northern georgia and the fact that we're uh dueling show hosts here so Oli's still on the phone Oli, let's go back to the podcast um that bjarn episode is super special are there any other episodes that you are uh that you're really proud of yeah um i think uh, there's a number of them, but the Radice one is really amazing. You know, my wife and I got to actually meet them and hang out in their workshop. And um, 
um, get the interview while we were there. So it was it was amazing to see the workshop. It was amazing to meet those guys. They're just so nice and so incredibly knowledgeable. And Luca from kneepipes.com was was our um, translator. So that was that was really cool. Uh, the JT Cook one is is really awesome. I, I really enjoy that one a lot. There's just so much there. Obviously the Bjarne one, um, but also the Bob Beltrandi one because it's a really interesting insight into tobacco and to uh, a guy who harvested tobacco here in the U.S. when he was a kid and what that felt like and what that day-to-day was like. And and I think that's kind of an interesting one, too. What's on the horizon for the Umpal.com podcast? Um, Just a whole lot more of not just interviewing carvers in depth, but also... Um, I would like to put out um, smaller podcasts that are a little bit more uh, topic-oriented about little things here and there that catch my attention. When we first met, you were, I believe it was at the Chicago Pipe Show when you did a wonderful podcast that was essentially a, a whole bunch of sound bites of people at the Chicago Pipe Show. That was a lot of fun, and, and it, and it kind of gave you a flavor of uh, all the different people from all over the world who actually show up there, as well as people who are close by looking to uh, score some amazing pipes or, or grab some great tobacco. And I obviously, before we started doing this show, I listened to a lot of different podcasts. I listened to a lot of different internet radio shows to try to come up with the formula and the style that one episode, besides the fact that I'm on it, which is the worst part of the entire episode, uh, <laughs> that was the flavor. What we decided on the flavor for this show was based off of that episode of your podcast and recreating a weekly 45 minutes of what you might hear at your pipe club meeting or what you might hear at a uh, pipe show. That's great. It's awesome. It's very cool to hear. Now, let's get into the fun stuff. Uh, yeah, man. The Monstrosity Pipes. Yep. As you know, I'm a huge Disney fan, and I can look at your pipes, and I can see the artist in you. Describe describe for our listeners that may not have seen a Monstrosity, some of the series, some of the processes. Just give us, give us the artist side flavor of them. Uh, well, you know, I approach pipe making from a, a very different angle than, than most people because I'm coming at it from a, uh, an art background. I'm not, I wasn't a woodworker. I wasn't a guy who, um, was really interested in making, um, pipes first. Instead, I was an artist first. And so it's a very different angle. And so what you're going to see is, you know, um, some very strange, mostly series of um, artistic expressions that come to life in uh, uh, pipes. You know, these pipes are are solidly built. They're good smokers. It's good wood. Um, it's good execution. But man, some of them just look hideous. And so it's uh, some of them might look hideous. Some of them might look just really interesting. Some of them might show you a, a, a little bit about um, traditional methods or traditional shapes with a, a twist. And so um, basically I have fun. I'm all over the place, and whatever kind of catches my attention is, is, is 
you know, where I like to lead a limited edition series or, you know, whatever group I'm working on. So, for example, one of the most recent ones that were, was out there was the Ancient series. Each one of these has a, a big um, dinosaur tooth, a real dinosaur tooth protruding uh, from the plateau, from the top of the pipe. And so, you know, the litmus test for me is create something that, A, isn't out there, and B, that I would be going crazy to to buy myself and put into my collection. And so, you know, if I can do those two things and bring something interesting into the world that is going to be a solid smoker and it's going to be somebody's friend forever that they can look at and go, damn, that's nuts, or wow, that's interesting, or hey, I never thought about grain that way before, you know, then great, that's what I want to do. What's the price range on the monstrosities? Uh, monstrosities, I like to try to keep them around 100 bucks because um, I like to try to keep my work um, affordable enough so that I personally could buy it. So that same litmus test I told you about where, you know, if, if I would want it in my collection very badly, then I know that it's, it's good enough to say, yes, this is done. And at the same time, I want to be able to afford that pipe. Now, there are some that, that I will likely come out with more of that are the uh, O. Sylvester pipes that are, you know, they've got hand-cut stems. Uh, there's a lot more time involved. They're, they're done in different ways. Those may have a higher price range, um, but I like to try to keep my monstrosities around $100. So your original blocks were, uh, were, were pre-drilled? kits yeah but, what do you do now yeah. so back in 2008 um when i started this I, I had some help from mark tinsky um and i also had some help from john rinaldi he actually used to uh um get the stamping on there for me and coat the bowls for me uh super nice guy he does great work too so um i can't say enough about mark tinsky and john rinaldi but so i decided i wanted to actually make these pipes from scratch myself and um, I decided to figure out who could I study under um, and, and who would be the guy that I would want to do that with. And so I, I found Todd Johnson, and I feel like, you know, this guy is, is a master carver. I want to learn under him. And so I approached him and said, you know, hey, I really want to, want to uh, learn how to actually make pipes myself. I want to do a, a kind of a... Um, apprenticeship under you and so we worked uh, we worked out a deal and and I went for um, two different sessions um, 2010 and 2011 and each of those sessions was a very intensive about a week long um, session and um, it was it, it kicked my butt and it opened my eyes up to how artisan pipes are, are made, and it was amazing to watch Todd actually make a pipe from beginning to end. Um, what a talent that guy is! And just to learn all the amazing stuff that I did, I'm still learning every day. I'm I'll forever be a a student, but um, it was yeah, it was a huge turning point. And so from that point on, you know, I I bought a lathe, I started retooling the shop, and now. Um, everything I do, I make uh, myself from scratch, you know, from, from the beginning to the end. What kind of annual production do you expect? 
You know, I unfortunately that's that varies a lot because I have a um, I have a full time job, and so I don't get out to the the shop as much as I would like to. Um, and all that's going to vary on, on, you know, how busy I am with my, my other job. However, um, just as much as possible, I love doing it and, you know, they, they sell very well. And currently I have zero stock on my site, but I, I'm working on a couple different series right now that I'm really excited about. So, um, that's a, that's a tough call, man, but just, I hope to have more and more each year and, until, you know, I reach a point where I'm, I'm, I'm doing quite a few, um, just as many as I can. What pipe shows can we uh, hope to see you at this year? Uh, you'll definitely see me in Chicago, and I hope to get to uh, Richmond after that. And those are the two that, that I – in Kansas City for sure. Um, those are the three that I'm, that I'm definitely um, looking forward to, but absolutely Chicago. So let – We've run over a little bit of time here, but I want to emphasize to everybody, if you want to hear really good in-depth interviews, much better than I could ever do, much deeper, more information on uh, on an interview or in a podcast format, check out oompal.com. It's O-O-M-P-A-U-L, oompal.com. Uh, follow Oli's podcasts on iTunes. You can also follow Oli Sylvester on Facebook, so make sure, Oli, you're going to have a whole bunch of new friends here pretty quick. If we get uh, if we get enough people buying pipes, and uh, hey, listen, folks, uh, if you want to donate and help the podcast keep going, maybe uh, maybe you guys want to sponsor one of Oli's podcasts. I. I'd be willing to bet that if we got him busy with podcasts and making pipes that he'd quit his day job. How's that sound? Hey, anything is possible. I like that idea. And on top of that, if you want to hear a uh, really well-done interview of me that, contrary to the subject matter, uh, check out Oli's upcoming Other Side of the Dueling podcast where uh, he turned the microphone on me and got me to say some stuff that uh, I wouldn't say here on our show. So watch for that coming up. It's oompal.com. Follow him on iTunes. Oli, I want to thank you for taking time out from, let's see, your podcast production, pipe making, full-time job, and father of two uh, life and joining us here on our show. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great, Brian, and it was really cool to interview you, too. Well, I think you are, uh, uh, you're a much better interviewer than I'll ever be. And on that note, we'll be back in just a minute with uh, more of the Pipes Magazine radio show. This is Internet Radio. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. 
But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Welcome back. Ole Sylvester is not only a great guy and a great artist, but a true asset to our hobby and our community. I would appreciate it if everybody went to umpal.com and uh, help support Ole. Listen to his podcast, pick up a monstrosity or two. I'm going to I can't wait to see him in uh, Chicago again. Ole, you need to get back out there and uh, get some more pipes up on the site. All right, so Oli, a uh, serious pipe maker who uh, doesn't take himself too seriously and doesn't create too uh, serious of pipes. Another artist out there that uh, stepped to a different beat, Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull. Uh, I've been saving this song for a while. Ian Anderson, a occasional sometime pipe smoker, sometimes cigar smoker. Found this song a while back, but I thought it was about time. And this guy you know, bounces around a little bit with the... Uh, not-so-traditional artist format. So here is Jethro Tull and A Small Cigar. A small cigar can change the world I know I've done it frequently at parties Where I've won all the guests' attention With my generosity And suave gentlemanly bearing a little flattened case is all you need. Breast pocket conversation opener. And one of those ciggy lighters that look rather good. You can throw away when empty. Must be declared a great success. My small cigars all vanish within minutes. Excuse me, mine host, that I may visit a nearby tobacconist To replenish my supply of small cigars And make the party swing again I know my clothes seem shabby And don't fit this Hampstead soiree Where unread copies of Rolling Stone Well-thumbed playboys decorate the hi-fi Stereo record shelves If you ask me They're on the way to upper-middle-class oblivion The stupid twits they roll around one cigarette between them My small cigars redundant now In the haze of smoking pleasure Call it a day, get the hell away Go down the cafe for a cup of real By the tube station, there's a drunk old fool who sells papers in the rush hour. I hand to him ten small cigars. He smiles, says, son, God bless you. A small cigar 
has changed this world, my friends. A small cigar has changed the world again. So last night when I was uh, scooting around the internet looking for some music to play for tonight, I ended up listening to a lot of Jethro Tull last night. Spent probably about an hour and a half just sitting back and poking through all of a bunch of songs I hadn't heard in a long time. You, Daddy, has an email. Heard from some folks in Alberta, Canada, as well as uh, southern Ontario, Canada this week listening to the show there thank you very much uh bill bearcat in ukuni ukuni japan hey first one from uh japan so getting the word out there love to hear where everybody's listening from cigar master harris listening in sarasota florida hey the hospital did have a uh, pulled pork sandwich on there that was good. Uh, listen, if you're going to be up in Orlando, I'm doing a, a gift show for another side of the business. I'll be there this weekend, Friday night, Saturday night. Looking forward to coming down for some warm weather, especially after today's weather. Ooh, Dino, I promise I got uh, Monk and uh, Coltrane on the list. I'm just trying to spice up the variety a little bit, bounce around, make sure we hit everybody's musical taste, but I promise they're uh, queued up for some to go here. And in uh, trivia, yeah, the dot was put on the stem so that everybody knew what the top part of the stem was supposed to be. That was where the white spot was put on. It was supposed to be the top of the stem. Ended up becoming an uh, iconic logo that had some lawsuits over, backwards and forwards. And Anyway, that's the history of the Dunhill white dot. In uh, today's tobacco trivia, how about this one? We'll talk a little bit about bowl coatings. Back in the 50s and 60s, there was a particular product that they used as a bowl coating on some pipes. Anybody want to guess what it is? It's a now banned substance that you cannot use anywhere. So what's the banned substance that they used to use as a bowl coating? Hey, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with a uh, unrant rave. I have scoured the endless expanse of the universe looking for the perfect pipe, and after years of searching, I have found it right here on Earth. The best pipes in the universe, only at cupojoes.com. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Boy. 
Once again, the show's running a little long, so I'm going to get through this pretty quick. All right, last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, I was in uh, Toronto for uh, the Brigham Annual Sales Meeting, and besides it being a little cold for me there, I will say this. Everybody in the Toronto area was extremely friendly as always, but also extremely courteous about smoking. I would duck out or go outside of the restaurant or whatever to puff for a little bit, visit with folks, whatever it was. Every restaurant there had ashtrays or something like that right outside. So it was really convenient and easy. Even the hotel that we had had a nice little uh, little, uh, park bench and uh, covered area right by ashtrays that made it really convenient and easy for those of us that wanted to go smoke to go smoke somewhere. So if you're thinking about traveling... Maybe you want to wait until the weather warms up to go up there and enjoy the area. I can say that Toronto, although you can't smoke anywhere indoors, it is really easy, convenient, and nobody grunts at you or coughs at you as they walk by you while you're smoking. I also found it very civilized that... Since there is a smoking ban indoors that most places provided an ashtray or some place to dispose of your smoking materials outside. So you didn't have to worry about dumping out on the ground or whatever it was. As opposed to the draconian smoking measures that are hitting us here in the United States where nobody's setting up any ashtrays outside so you see a bunch of cigarette butts or you have no place to put your matches, whatever it is. So... If uh, you want to go travel somewhere, hey, I'm thinking maybe Montreal during the summer might be nice. I know that the uh, weather will be a whole lot better than it is this time of the year. So that's the rant for the show. I want to say a big thank you to Ole Sylvester. Make sure and check out uh, umpal.com and check out the uh, interview that he did of me on there. Keep listening to the show. Keep sharing your thoughts on the forums. I want to say thank you again to smokingpipes.com and until next time the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather The number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number.